Hello, and welcome to the Brandon's Bikes Podcast, where we discuss not only cycling, but all endurance sports. From race previews to post-race reviews, training, nutrition, and more, we like to encourage people of all fitness levels to live an active lifestyle and explore their physical and mental limits in a safe and responsible way. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Rob Issam. Rob is the founder of the Virginia Endurance Series. The Virginia Endurance Series is a series of races that include mountain bike and gravel races around Virginia. I recently signed up for one of Rob's races called the Rockstar. This is actually a grand depart style event and is broken up into three separate races. There's a mountain bike, gravel, and a road ride. I'll be completing the road ride. In this episode, we learn who Rob is, discuss the different races that VES has, and really dive into the Rockstar ride. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. All right, so welcome, Rob Issam, to the Brandon's Bikes podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely. So, Rob, let's get started. Uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about who Rob is and how'd you get into cycling? Um. Wow. Uh, so... I've been biking like for fun, like since I was a little kid. Um, and then I just was kind of nuts about it and ended up BMX racing as a kid. Um, and then did a little mountain biking. I grew up in Long Island, New York, um, but there was no mountains. So we just rode trails. I was going to say. Um, yeah. yeah. And dirt bikes, but the whole sport, I mean, this was in the, 80s so the whole sport was just kind of getting off the ground back then right. then i moved to virginia in the mid 90s to coach the ferrum college tennis team okay and, um, yeah and that's what brought me here and uh immediately kind of got invited to do some rides and start having a great time started doing kyle inman's virginia mountain bike race series and um i was hooked um just love the area i love mountain biking um and then uh kind of had a career in tennis all the way up until this past year um in different capacities worked for the united states tennis association and player development um but all the while i was doing like racing and just cooking up rides and having fun with my friends Nice. So kind of a, a side note, because you brought it up, tell me uh, a little bit about the tennis. I, I didn't know that you, that you were into it like that. Yeah. So um, I actually started, I didn't start until I was like a junior in high school, but I immediately liked tennis and I went to a college where I had an opportunity to possibly play, even though I didn't have a lot of experience. So I was like the worst player on a really good team, but it <laughs> totally got me excited for the sport and I was a great I just was a total student of it and I was learning nonstop. and then I, after as soon as I graduated college I had an opportunity to coach a college team which was like crazy because I was 23 years old but um so anyhow I took advantage of it and um and I then years later I had a chance to coach at Ferrum and then after that I had a chance to work for the United States Tennis Association so I had like a more than a 20, like a 21 year career with the United States Tennis Association. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much a dream job. I mean, 
you know, working for a nonprofit isn't like the, you're not going to get rich doing it, but you'll have a lot of fun doing something that helps people enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you meet a lot of pros? I met my share. Yeah. I had a, that was fun. Um, I wasn't, um, I was in junior player development. So I was mostly working with kids. And at the end, to my delight, I was a tenant under player development manager. Okay. Uh, And then actually after that, I was the school's tennis manager. So I was, and I just love kids. And so that was perfect fit for me. But uh, occasionally we would do events, like we'd work the city open or I'd go up to the US open or do other things where I would get to hang out with some pros for a little bit. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So always been active then, always been cycling or or playing tennis or something like that. So yeah, pretty cool that the two sports that I just kind of came into my life are both lifetime sports. So you know, I'll be a tennis player forever and I'll be a, a cyclist forever too. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. So um, when I moved to Virginia, I was, I kind of had it in my head that I always wanted to do some sort of bike packing. I've, I've been a cyclist for the last six or seven years and, but I've never done any overnight trips. And right after I got here, when did I move? Yeah. I got here in June of last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. My wife, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. My wife and I moved from California out here. So, right on. um, but yeah, I always had this idea that I wanted to do bike packing or, um, this extended gravel ride, something adventurous. Cause I started getting into like adventure riding out in California. And so right after I got here, I saw the Virginia endurance series pop up on my Facebook feed and I saw the rockstar gravel route and I'm like, that's it, dude. Like that's, that's the race I got to do. So, I started following the all the VES stuff on Facebook, but so why don't you tell me a little bit about what is the Virginia Endurance Series and kind of how that got started? So it started, um, we were pregnant, my wife and I, with our youngest son, who's now eight rider. And um, I was actually sitting in the bath reading Dirt Rag and um, <laughs> Durag had this uh, article about the like Southwest Endurance Series, which was a lot like what the Virginia Endurance Series came out to be. But it was like every month they would do like a hundred mile dirt riding event. And it was kind of a race for them. I think they kept like unofficial results and they would always like finish at a brewery or something like that. It sounded so fun. And I was thinking, man, that would be amazing to have something like that in Virginia. We've got so many trails and gravel routes. And it was, Tons, and yeah. Yeah, it was just it was just single track stuff at first, um, which was awesome. Um, but I was also, you know, because we were pregnant, like for me, like I love racing, too. So I was thinking uh, like paying to race constantly like as much as I wanted to was more than my future budget with our newborn baby was going to absolutely so I thought I could put on a series or help to put on a series that would be free and it would just be like hey we'll do this we'll ride somewhere else we'll have another adventure like we'll just make a whole calendar of adventures and we'll all do them together and it would supplement our training and it would be super fun that's awesome I like that and actually I I just did a podcast episode a couple weeks ago with Dave Landis yeah. And that was one of the same questions I asked him, like, you know, why free, you know, because you don't see many of those anymore. You know, everybody, you know, is charging, but I like it because I see the free events. And then I see you, you started a couple of social media pages on Facebook and just kind of bringing all the local writers together, which is pretty yeah. cool. I love it. Thanks. Yeah. And then um, 
what happened was like, I mean, to tell you kind of how Rockstar came about, um, we were just um, like, I'm part of a group called the Moon Stompers, which is kind of a really fun, uh, kind of rowdy uh, group of like long distance drinking riders. And uh, so anyhow, we were all just talking about it. And, there, and I'd had this idea, like everybody does like a hundred mile race, like hundred, that sounds pretty cool, but there's hundred mile races everywhere. Right. So I just threw it out there, what about a 200 mile race? Like we should do a 200 mile race and we won't charge any entry fee. We'll just make it up and see who wants to do it. It might be just us, but that'd be fine too. Right. So uh, everybody loved the idea. And we're like, yeah, 200 mile race. And then we started thinking like, hey, what would we do? Like, what would it be like a clover route, like a out and back or, and then I don't know. I just had the idea like rock town to the star city, like the two fantastic like epic mountain bike towns in virginia harrisonburg and roanoke and i thought what if we connected them with some route that we just came up with and immediately that was like a hit idea and everybody was like yeah let's do it we just went over tommy and laura's house after our next ride and we spread a bunch of maps out on their on their back deck and we just started <laughs> drawing lines and thinking about how this could work um and literally like a few months later we kind of announced the trail route um the gravel route actually wasn't part of the plan but um once we had the trail route out there we thought holy cow there's like bar service loads to parallel all these ridge lines that we're going to be riding the trails on so let's do a gravel route so that came together like incredibly easy like two weeks later we had the gravel route and then we're on our way to the first event we're just like, I don't know, we're, all, we're less than a month to the first event. I'm so excited. Everybody's so excited. And uh, I'm just mountain biking on this great trail system um, by Day Creek here. And I'm following my son and my friend, Steve Powers. And I wash out around the turn. I break my wrist. Oh, wow. And, um, and I'm now I'm like, I don't know, three weeks away from Rockstar. And I'm heartbroken. I won't be able to participate in my first Rockstar, and um, and that's another thing about the Virginia Endurance Series. Like, I wanted to do something, but I wanted, I didn't want to be like a traditional promoter where you put the race on, you have like all the stress ahead of time and all this planning, and then you don't even get to ride in your own right, right. event. Right. I ride in pretty much all the Virginia Endurance Series events, and I hope to do that as long as I can. But um, anyhow, so I started thinking, what could I do? And I looked further at the forest service corridor that connected everything up and there were these gorgeous rural roads that were also in this forest service corridor so i was like i'm going to make a, a mostly paved route that's going to follow the other two routes um and that's what i did and i was the only one that did it the first year the pave route and i put some aero bars on my cyclocross bike so i didn't have to have weight on my wrist and it was it was awesome. And I knew as soon as I did the route, because I had never even ridden a lot of the roads before I created that route with the help of other dudes in Harrisonburg and, and around. And I wrote down, I was like, holy cow, this pottery route, it is awesome. People are going to dig this. Um, and then it just turned out that it actually helped the other events too, because the trail route is so extreme. Mm -hmm. A lot of people from that aren't from around here, they try it and they realize, holy shit, I'm in over my head, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then they can kind of jump off because the three routes crisscross a bunch. So uh, they could jump off onto the gravel route. And then if you run out of time or you have more things go wrong, like you could jump off onto the 
Ave route and kind of scoot right back to Roanoke. Like this past year, Joe Wharton, who had won it the year before, he was having a pretty good race this year. He made it to doubt it, like in the top racers. And then I think he like totally tore a pedal out of his, a cleat out of his shoe or something, but he was, he had to limp it back. And he just went from doubt that he just jumped on the Pave route and just rode it in and said, you know, I'm gonna just have to prep for next year and go out. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that that uh, trail route was, was pretty stout, pretty technical. Yeah. It's, it's technically demanding and it's super physically demanding. A lot of elevation gain. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just like, especially even if you're, even if you're doing it like a stage race with a unloaded bike, it's, it's hard, but if you're doing it as a backpacking event with a loaded bike up these steep pitches, man, these guys are like superheroes that are doing it. And, um, and then you've got other guys who are doing it like Barry, who are, who are just carrying such minimal gear. It's crazy. Or like Michael Scales. Um, that's why Michael has every year, he's got like crazy stories to tell because he goes with like almost nothing. And he does have to spend like a couple nights in the woods. Um, and so he's, you know, it's suffering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that the, um, I think that the three different routes are good because if you didn't have the Pave route, I might've been, you might've lost me on that one because initially I was like, the gravel route sounds so cool. Like I'll go out there. That'll be my first bike packing trip. But then I got to thinking about it and it was just, it was too many firsts. You know, I'd never done it overnight trip before. I'd never ridden that long. I didn't have any of the bags. Like I, just, I was just like, ah, that might just be too much to bite off. So I bumped it down to the Pave route. And then, you know, over the next year, I think I'll I'll probably talk myself into it, but it's definitely something that's, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I think I'd be, be down for that later. The pave is like the gateway drug to get you into it. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Nice. You're going to, you're going to love it. And then, um, you know, I have to say too, that like, I really wanted the rockstar experience to be approachable too. Just like you're saying, like I had a, a really good friend, Jeremy Miller, who had never bike packed before either last year and just got to Harrisonburg and did the pave route and overnighted and doubt it. Um, or it was just outside of doubt that he hammock tented or hammock camp. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with the Virginia mountain bike trail, but it's like this phenomenal adventure. It goes like from Winchester all the way to Damascus. Chris Scott crafted it over years and, and a number of guys wrote it and I've ridden sections of it. And that single track trail is amazing. And it's so so hard in sections that like the number of people who can really do that and enjoy themselves is such a small number of people like mm -hmm. out of all these mountain bikers and all these possible people so i wanted rockstar to be like more approachable and the trail route is the trail route's not it's it's hard as hell but it's not as hard as the virginia mountain bike trail um so it, and it's approachable because it's only like three days or four days or you know five days but it's not like you don't need 11 days to do it or something right like that. yeah that's yeah. a lot that's a big time chunk to bite off yeah and then to give you like other ways to experience rockstar be part of it like be at the grand depart like you'll see next year when you're at the grand depart like it's electric like you're around there you're chatting up with all these other folks that are bike packing different levels of experience um some are at the tip of the sword in terms of fitness and preparedness 
and they're going for it and others are just having an experience they're touring you know and and having the maximum like fun that they can have and yeah. not having too crazy so it's cool that rockstar has like that broader appeal so now for talking about training how do you train for something that's multi-day like like the trail i mean are you are they doing 100 miles a day and you just basically train for kind of like a century? Because I think it's it's hard to look at it like oh, I'm training for a 500 mile ride versus five 100 mile rides or something like that. Yeah. So, well, I have to say that, you know, I've done the Rockstar Trail in four days as, a, as the stage race. So like, um, like Chris Blank and shit, like local guys like that and um joe wharton and barry croker and abe kaufman like they could give you a bit like deeper insight into this but i'll tell you what happens if you're if you're trying to do it i mean you you basically you have your big day on the mountain bike whatever that works up to be like um it could be a five hour day in the saddle and you just keep pushing that up mm -hmm. you're starting earlier and you're riding longer and um like you're getting up at four and you're on the bike by five and you don't come home until it's dark, you know, like you literally create routes for yourself. And then, so there's that, like there's making that one day, your big ride day, like Epic is like sort of stage one to kind of approaching something like this. And then I think what a lot of the guys do is that they string days like that together in training. Mm -hmm. So they might still overnight at their house, um but you don't just like a lot of times people will have a big day on the bike and then they'll recover for a day or two days or three days but instead if you want to try to do an event like rockstar you do a huge day and then you wake up the next morning and you do another huge day yeah and that starts to prepare you physically for what this is and the sleep like everybody who does it as as a racer is sleep deprived too <laughs> so um you know, like that's easy to practice. <laughs> right, right. I think that's the biggest piece of, well, I don't, I don't want to say the biggest piece. I think there's a lot of pieces, but stringing those days together is key because I mean, you know, if, if you're at the point where you can ride two or three or 400 miles, then doing a six or seven hour day in the saddle is probably not that big of a deal. So if you could do that, you know, once or twice a week, that's not that big of a deal. But if you do it two or three days in a row, then it really starts wearing on you. Yeah. You know for sure yeah like i'll see like like chris blankenship's my local friend and i would see like him when he the year he, he two years ago he was amazing at rockstar he would have wanted if he didn't get off track he like kind of made a wrong turn and then um well i shouldn't say that because you never know what's going to happen and if you right. haven't made the right turn some other thing could have happened but he was super strong and he's a fantastic technical rider but that year i remember he would ride his bike to a group ride and then he would do the group ride the longest version of the group ride that there was and then after the group ride was over i'd see him go like out and do more riding like, mm -hmm. into the night and um and sometimes he'd get somebody else to go with him and other times he'd just be doing it solo but it's sort of like that type of thing where you're just putting effort on top of effort to build you up to the sustained long like crazy efforts that they're right, right or other right, i mean right. all these bikepacking events like demand that um yeah and, it, and then like i i think it really like it depends on how competitive you are too because if you're just out there to experience this 
I mean, the thing is like the trail route's so technical and so physically demanding. You can't go, uh, if you're not in good shape, you're just going to be brutalized by the route. Yeah. Um, it gets demoralizing. Like you just, you yeah. give up mentally, you know? Yeah. You'll give up in the first, um, the first, the first day, the first 10 hours, if, if you don't prepare well for Rockstar, cause it's not like that first, even the getting to, even getting to reddish knob is so hard, you know, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not that hard. It's like three, four hours or whatever, but it's just hell of a climb. It's like hours of climbing. It is. Yeah. So I went down there and did a training ride. So gosh, what was this? This was fall of last year. So a few months ago, and I started at the, um, at the coffee shop in, um, in Harrisonburg. And I was planning on doing the gravel route at that time. So I rode to, is it, is it George Washington forest? Is that where, and then what's that climb? Like once you hit George Washington, that fire road, union Springs, union Springs. So I'm riding, I'm riding, I'm riding, I'm riding. I'm like, Holy shit, man. Like this climb, this, it never stops. And I'm like, I start looking at my watch and my mileage. I'm like, all right, well, I I think I'm gonna have to turn around here in a minute and, and start heading back. And then I got to thinking, I'm like, dude, that's going to be like two or three or four days worth of that, you know? Yeah, I, I will say that the, that the start for the gravel riders is the hardest part. Um, okay. So, so that, that climb up Union Springs, and I, I don't know what point you turn around, but it, it keeps getting worse. Um, because <laughs> what happens is it's a long, long fire road climb, and then it becomes a really rugged fire road climb. And then there's like these puddles that go across the road and there's like you gotta like bushwhack around them if you don't want to get wet or you ride through them and risk i don't know depending on the temperature you risk maybe like like my bishop said he was going through them and he was his bottom bracket was totally submerged and oh wow he was lucky to have his equipment make it the whole ride um, yeah and yeah because i've seen some pictures of guys sleeping in bibbies in the snow right yeah. Yeah. And that was April too. Um, so it's kind of crazy. We might have that again this year. We'll see. Oh man. Hope not. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so since I'm signed up for the Pave route, tell me about the Pave route. Is it kind of, uh, like backcountry roads or what are we looking at? Yeah. The Pave route is so beautiful. So you'll start out, um, with everybody in Harrisonburg and you kind of skirt, um, Hillendale park. And then you're heading toward Union Springs, but before you get there, you're gonna um, you're gonna jump on a fire road that's pretty reasonable on a road bike. Um, like last time I did the Pave route, I did it on a old Eddie Merckx bike I had from 1985 with uh, AT tires, and it was great. I loved it. I had an awesome time. Um, but um, but then you get on a like Deerfield Road. You'll get your climb um, at West Augusta, which is like the meeting joint for all the cyclists. And they, so that's like a convergence of the gravel, the trail, and the Pave route in West Augusta. Um, so you'll probably see some folks there. Um, and that's a lot of fun. And then you head out on Deerfield, and it's just this amazing valley ride. So it's just rolling um, terrain. It's easy to maintain a nice speed. Um, so like if you start at 7 a.m. and your goal is to get to Douthat, which is like 80 something miles um, 
on your first day. Um, do you have a plan for your first day? I was thinking oh, yeah. of doing it in one day and, and not oh, spending yeah. the night. Um, I, I don't know what the, the terrain's like, but I kind of looked at it like, well, it's a little bit less than a double century and a lot of people do double centuries in one day. So maybe I'll just make it in one shot and I won't have to carry all this gear with me, but I don't know. What do you think? You can totally do it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, somebody did it in even 10 hours, you know, averaging like 17 miles an hour. I saw like, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally the biggest climb on the entire Pave route is climbing um, Mill Mountain at the end. There's a, there's some, there's a couple of others in there that are not insignificant. Um, but there's nothing major on the, on the Pave route. It's mostly just, and there are a whole mess of rollers, especially after Dowsett, like once you get that um, kind of roaring run area, mm -hmm. uh, but nothing that's going to like beat you down too badly. Just keep, just keep, keep focused and keep having fun. Um, I did it last time. It was super, super hot. So it was hard to stay hydrated with just like two water bottles on my road bike. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe bring a water filter, um, and then you'll be good to go. The, keeping enough nutrition with you shouldn't be hard. It's just, uh, staying hydrated could be hard depending on the temperature. Yeah. I looked at that map, the, uh, what is it? The Google map, the tiny URL. Yeah. It looked like there was like no more than 40 miles at a stretch, you know, without a stop, I think. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think that the longest is from Eagle Rock to like Bradshaw Road, which is just on the other side of Catawba Mountain in Roanoke. And um, you'll, it's not too bad. It, it can, that can take a while if you're tired, that stretch. And there's, you know, depending on how hard you're going, you might be really tired at that point. But, um, but if you're feeling good, that, that's not too bad. Like you could, okay. you pass a service station and you go rock, you just fill your water bottles, grab a bite, and then you can make it to Bradshaw. Um, and be all right. um, but yeah, that's another. And I think that the, the Pave route was, is good in that regard too. So a lot of first timers will, overnight at Dowsett. Um, but if, but that's not, I mean, like you literally have an easy, like 3 p.m. first day or before that you'll be done. If you, if you go to Dowsett or anybody that does that, even at a casual pace. So you'll make it. Right on. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't had a specific training plan, but I've been very consistent. I would say for probably the last three or four months with, on average, about a hundred mile weeks, um, nice. riding every single day. And then also, you know, mixing in some weight training and some yoga. And then, right um, on. I started, I got hooked up with my coach out in California. I, I did a couple of Ironmans and a couple of marathons and he trained me for that. And I reached back out to him and actually today was the first day of our official training plan. So, um, oh, had a lot of base work put in ahead of time. And now we're kind of, you know, building off of that base work. So. And, and your, uh, your target event is the Pave route. Yeah. Yep. For that the plan. Pave route. Yep. So I'm thinking, um, you know, definitely some prolonged breaks, you know, maybe like some meal breaks, you know, prop the feet up or something like that. But I, I want to make it in one shot. Um, one, because I want to push myself physically and mentally, you know, and, and I think that will definitely do it. And then two, because I just don't want to have to carry a whole bunch of sleeping systems and yeah. you know, extra clothes and things like that. So I've got a small, 
uh, Revelate Design top two bag, you know, that goes like in the frame. Yeah. I was going to bring that with two water bottles and maybe like a, a soft sided collapsible bottle. And then, you know, I can store some gloves and arm warmers and things like that. We'll see what the weather looks like, but that's kind of the plan so far. I think that sounds really reasonable. I think that sounds like it's going to be a success. The only problem, Brandon, is that you're not going to get your bikepacking experience. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, oh, man, it's it's one of those things I keep talking myself into, and then I'll find a reason to talk myself out of it. Yeah. Um, I just I just need to do it. I need to pull the trigger. I'm thinking about maybe this spring when it warms up a little bit, go to the CNO Trail. It's easy. It's flat. Yeah. I can just ride to a campground, spend the night, you know, ride back or something like that. But sure. Yeah. And I mean, like one of the route, one of the things that we're developing and they, they've got a good number of good ones in Harrisonburg too. They're just like uh, the S240 routes. It's like sub 24 hour overnight routes. Um, we have one that goes from our shop, the Cardinal bike shop here in Roanoke to explore park. And it's like under 10 miles the oh, ride God. out. But it's just that, I mean, Explore Park's a great place to ride and, and ride to. It's a cool destination along the Roanoke River. So it's just like a, a fun, like you can do it when you get off work. You could ride out there, set up, have fun, do it with a friend or two. And then, heck, you could, even on a Wednesday, you could do it and still make it to work the next morning. And yeah. It's like just that close. But it's a cool way to do like a gear shakedown, you know, yeah, like do I good. have, does everything fit in my bags right? And what was it like to unpack, set up camp, cook for myself, you know, mm -hmm. off my bike? So tub 24 hours are a lot of fun. I'd recommend doing something like that. Like you can probably even find something right from your house. Like think of a place where, where you'd be allowed to overnight or could get away with overnighting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a park. Um... I could take my, my gravel bike or my road bike, but I'm, so I'm pretty fortunate. So I live in Stafford. There's a lot of traffic around Stafford, but I have found a way to take some back roads and get onto the Quantico Marine Corps base and then go from one side of the base to the other. And then that'll take you into Prince William Park. Nice. Uh, you could do a loop around that, get on a cycle path and go up towards Manassas. I mean, I can get, you know, a 60 to 70 mile ride in without really hitting any traffic. But that's actually a pretty good idea because I could ride into Prince William Park and then stay at one of the campgrounds there and then just ride home the next day. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So two of the things that I always think about the most is sleep system and food. So what do you normally pack for food for an overnighter? And then how do you sleep? So I I'll, let me just, I'll start with the sleep system because um, it was pretty disastrous for my first few attempts. Naturally, <laughs> you, can right? learn, you can learn from my errors. So and, you know, like I, I say it was disastrous for me, but like Mike Scales and Doug Hooker use like these things. So there's these SOL bivy socks. Um, they cost like 50 bucks. It's this emergency bivy that packs down to like the size of your fist or a can of Coke or something like that. Yep. And um, all it is is like reflective material on one side and a little cinch cord around your head. And so the thought is you crawl in, you maybe use one of your shoes as a pillow maybe put on some wool socks and maybe an extra layer if, that you were carrying to try to retain some heat. And you just crawl into that, sleep right on the ground and get a good night's sleep or try to. <laughs> or right, try to. Yeah, so that's like ultimate lightweight. That I've tried um, 
I've done that. So I've done that, what I just said, that sleep system, and I was totally miserable and I didn't hardly sleep at all. I've also, another one of my miserable nights was in the summer. I thought, oh, it's summer. It's nice and warm. I'll just do a quick bike packing trip. And I just threw a, a lightweight hammock and one extra layer of clothes. And then so I headed out and it was warm. And then when I realized I wanted to sleep, I pitched my hammock, added my layer of clothes, climbed in, and then I was absolutely freezing like within an hour and I didn't sleep at all yeah so I mean and I'm like 50 so like my blood flow is maybe not as awesome as somebody who's 20 years younger or whatever but um but you know you got to kind of know your own um temperature requirements and what Mm -hmm. you're comfortable with because it's not even about um it like to get the rest that you need being comfortable for you is what it's all about Right. So the system that I've found myself using now is a a down sleeping bag. It's like a 40 degree bag, which isn't doesn't seem like it would be that warm. But when you combine it with a good sleeping pad with a good R value and then um, an extra layer of clothes. So that's like become my system. So and oh, and I use a like an ultra lightweight tent that I picked up from Big Agnes. I think it's called the Fly Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember a, that. A sub two pound, uh, two person tent. And they say it's two person, but you got to really like the other person if it's two person. Right, yeah. Um, so uh, anyhow, so really light tent, um, reasonable bedroll with a good R value. And I know like a lot of people like David, I think is using a quilt. Um, and if you're a back sleeper, that works out really well. If you're not going to move and you're just going to lie on your back because you don't really need the extra weight of a full sleeping bag. Um, but anyhow, so that's been my system for my recent trips and it's worked out great. Um, what does that come in uh, weight wise? What are you looking at for your whole sleep system? So um, I think my sleeping bag is under a pound um i think i think it's like 14 ounces or something like that and then the bedroll is probably similar to that and then the the tent is two pounds so under four pounds total for the sleep system um which you know that's pretty light it's not as light as some of these other guys are doing but that's not bad yeah, I keep going back and forth between the hammock or the tent. And I like I like the idea of the hammock because you're not on the ground. There's mm-hmm. you're not going to get the creepy crawlers, you know, crawling on you. And then if it's raining or if it's wet, you don't have to worry about that. You know, you're you're elevated a little bit. Yeah. But I've seen that those tend to be, I could be wrong. I think that they're just a little bit more in weight and in size, maybe, than some of like the big Agnes. I don't know. It's so that I think a lot of people love hammock camping and um and they swear by it like my friend paul sullivan loves his and so you got to bring you the thing the thing you can't a lot of people forget is you can't you still need a bedroll you have to put something between you and the hammock to to retain body heat um if you forget that you'll be cold for sure even in the summer um and then and then you when you add a rain fly then yeah you're getting pretty close to the weight of a tent you know if not more yeah so like if i just got an off the shelf like you know hammock with straps 
and with a rain fly and the straps and cords to tie that down. To get all of that under two pounds, which is the weight of my um, Big Agnes Fly Creek, is hard. Right. Uh, and then, um, you know, but bivy sacks are a great way to go too. If you really want to be minimal, you just get one that covers your head if you want to keep the bugs out. Um, sometimes people have trouble with controlling moisture in those. Yeah, that's what I've read. And you're just wet, which sucks. Um, but if you get a good one or you just have your personal sleep system dialed in or the ventilation um, or you can breathe and make sure your breath is leaving the thing. I don't know. You know, I know I know there are people that swear by bivvies too. So like that's really your three options is to go. Um, well, actually, there's more than that, but the the hammock, the bivy, the tent, and then a lot of guys are using like um, super lightweight. It's just like a tarp with a, I don't, it might not even have a pole. It might just have a string. So it's, um, you know, it's a, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like my, my friend, Johnny Robinson, he has this ridiculous lightweight. It's like this featherweight tarp from Mountain Laurel Designs. And um, which is, a, if you're interested in getting some really good gear, Mountain Laurel is like amazing. And it's made right here in Roanoke. Oh, okay. um, super, super lightweight, very comfortable, not inexpensive, but you absolutely get what you pay for with the gear. Right. Cool. So, yeah. Right on. And then what about for food? Do you take a, a camp stove or are you just eating like energy bars at night? So I have, in the stuff that I've done, it's always been like, I'm always like looking for speed, you know, so I'm not carrying anything to cook with. Uh -huh. um, and all I do is bring things that I can eat um, without heat. And then, you know, it's not the most appetizing stuff, but, uh, but it gets the, I mean, it's, it's calories and it gets, it makes it workable. I have done like, you know, touring where I'll bring everything um, and I'll bring a stove and I'll bring food and I'll make a meal. And that's super fun. It's like, you know, bike pack. I mean, it's like backpacking on your bike. Yeah. And you know, one thing I've noticed is like a lot of these bike packers or tour racers, don't have the healthiest diets. I mean, you're stopping at a gas station or you're bringing energy yeah. bars and you're like filling your top tube bag with French fries and you're just on the road going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you can get away with eating a bunch of crap, you know, when you're burning that many calories, it's not, it's still probably not awesome for you. It's, it's really challenging. So like, like Joe Wharton, he carries with him. He was the guy that won it two years ago. He carries everything he's going to eat with him at the start so he'll he'll do this 300 mile event i think he just did a 360 mile event in florida oh, he didn't stop at all at any gas stations completely self-contained so that's like one approach right? right and he is i believe he's vegan or vegetarian so that way he can really control what he's doing um but man he's got to carry a lot of weight around in the beginning of the ride yeah so then you have on the opposite end of that spectrum someone like abe kaufman and abe basically called ahead 
and found out what they had food-wise at all the places he could potentially eat along the Rockstar route. And then he had it planned, like he knew he was gonna sleep in Dalkin, he was gonna try to be to this place in, in Covington the next morning, and he knew what he was gonna order, and he knew the phone number, and he called it in. He called while he was on the ride, so the food was waiting for him and hot. Oh, wow. And he picked it up and kept, kept rolling. That's smart, man. That's race race planning right there. He's an exceptional planner and strategist. And it, that's and cool. He had and he's also just a kick-ass rider. So it all came together for him last year. It was amazing. Nice. That's good. So now I know that uh Virginia Endurance Series, I've seen a couple other rides that you do. Um Pant Pantani. Mm -hmm. Is it Pantani, not XL, or was it Pantani 25? Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, and then there was a Gravelocity. That was another one. So tell, tell what other ones do you do and, and kind of talk about those? Yeah. So um, we have, we, we try to have something every month. Um, and 2021, you know, we've got something most months, but because of COVID, we're, I'm not like pushing people to get their events online. But the three that we have to kick off the year are Gravelocity, which is this kind of kick ass gravel ride from Roan it's just outside of Roanoke and Troutville and it's these absolutely gorgeous routes and it's everything from a 26 mile route to a, almost a 100 mile route mm -hmm. um, which is takes like a super heroic effort to get that done in a day and then Pantani ride actually existed before the Virginia Endurance Series was even a thought oh okay yeah they've been doing Pantani um uh, the Sevendales uh Earliesville which is right outside of Charlottesville and um it's a killer ride, Brokeback Mountain. It's just a, it's a punishing 50 mile like gra gravel bike. But a lot of people ride mountain bikes because it's so steep in sections. Um, it's sort of a tradition. Every February, you go kind of punish yourself against a Pantani ride. And it's cool because if you just do it, you're going to get, it's going to help your fitness. It's going to help you. Absolutely. Alive, you know what I mean? So yourself like people just get themselves to Pentani. some people are like raring to go in february others are like surviving um but either way just participating helps and then um last year i think or the year before i asked john petrolak I, I said hey you know you how would you like to like just share one of your training routes and we'll make it a virginia endurance series right so john's one of the best riders in virginia mountain biking and john's like yeah i've got some killer rides so we did this Gerando 100 which is our march ride and it is so good it's absolutely fantastic mountain ride and then it is also that he crafted a gravel route in the same area so you can bring whatever bike you like and um, you're going to have a kick-ass time it i'll say that that gravel ride is just so good um for some reason there was an event a running event happening last year at the same time so we canceled the mountain part and just did 100 percent gravel ride and okay. everyone was delighted it was it was awesome um and then uh we got a whole bunch of others throughout the year we have one called the terrapin mountain predicament the tour tour to dirt is in october every year absolutely legendary floyd gravel um i mean it's just so good riding we've had tricky weather a number of the last years it's almost like a signature thing about tour to, tour to dirt now 
Um, there's always bad weather, it seems, but it's still, it's just such good riding. People don't care and they just keep coming. Um, in fact, this year, I think it was sold out. It was a ton of people and it was horrible weather. Um, but then uh, we have a few others that, um, like we have this thing called the, the gamut at Carvin's Cove, which is where people every November try to ride every trail in the Carvin's Cove system in a single day or over the course of three days. So it starts on Black Friday, Black Friday, Saturday and Sunday. You can, there's, it's, it's broken into three stages, two mountain and one gravel. So you can do them all in one day or one each day. Um, we've had all kinds of events over the years. We used to have one called Neptune's Challenge, <laughs> which is where you start in Paint Bank on the West Virginia border. And you ride across the state of the Virginia to the Neptune Monument in Virginia Beach, 313 miles. You get the best names for these rides, man. I don't know who comes up with these names, but they're so good. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, that one was just kind of like, you, we ended up this monument where there's an enormous statue of Neptune and it's super cool monument. So like, yeah, Neptune's challenge. That's nice, man. That's cool. Um, now, what is this thing I saw on, uh, so for the Pantani, Pantani ride, there was some, there was an update on Facebook saying like, it's not being hosted this year. You can go out and ride it on your own, something like that. So tell me the story behind that. Yeah, so um, generally we just pick a, a date. It's normally sometime around Valentine's Day. Um, and then we meet at 10 a.m. in this field and then everybody does this, this mass start rollout. And it's a lot of camaraderie. It's a lot of fun, even if you're freezing your ass off. Like it's been like nine degrees one year or whatever. Oh my gosh. So, um, but uh, this year because of COVID, Albemarle County has prohibited any events from oh, okay. place. So, um, so officially there's no event. Um, anybody's welcome to go and, um, and do the course. Sure. Uh, yeah. For fun. Um, and record it on Strava and share it. And we'll all talk about how awesome you are, or how much you sucked. Right. <laughs> and then, um, and you know, like that's it. So like, I mean, Honestly, there's probably still going to be a whole, there'll probably be a good group of people on the traditional date, which I think would be like around the 13th. Um, I think that's this coming Saturday or Sunday. Um, but they are going to keep the gates open to that field for an entire week. So okay. they come and do it, do it whenever they want. And there probably won't be a big mass rollout. And like, you know, like last year, we all hung out and had beers afterwards and, uh, everybody's like like you know just like old times so hanging hanging around close right. together but um you know it'll be social distance it'll be safe and it'll be but it'll still be great riding you can't the the great riding is inescapable if you just get yourself to that grassy field and press start on your garmin to make that route appear and try to get it done you're going to have a great time and you're going to have a, a cool memory that's awesome. I'm glad you guys have so many events. It's, it's one thing to go out and train by yourself. And I mean, even if you're not paying for the event and you know, you're not getting like a beer stein and a medal, like it's just nice to go out and have an, a quote unquote event with people and, and get together, you know? Yeah. And I'll tell you like at the beginning of the Virginia endurance series, um, 
it started, it wasn't that big of a deal in the beginning. Like, ah, you know, a few people, sometimes people would be, sometimes it'd be like four people would come to some idea that, you know, maybe we'd worked pretty hard on. But um, over time, I think people realized that, holy cow, you know, this is actually, all the routes are curated by people, like great riders that live in those areas. So like mm-hmm. John Petrolax, like Sarando 100K, that route is fantastic. You know, it's so good. So all you have to do is show up. John's done all the work to make this route like amazing for you. And that's the kind of the way it is. Like if you want to come to Arcadia, which is an, another amazing mountain biking destination just north of here, you can do the Terrapin Mountain Predicament route and have a mind-blowing experience on trails that you would have no idea how to figure out where to go and wh- how to craft a route if it wasn't for guys like Kyle Inman drafting it up. And Jeff mm-hmm. Chen did a bunch of stuff too. So yeah, it's cool. Um, it, like, it's like imagine you are going to an area and the locals are taking you on their ride, you know, and like a fellow guide type guide. of thing. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. Well, I know you got, um, you got some stuff coming up here in, in about 10 or 15 minutes. So you got to get going soon, but I did have a couple of quick last questions for you. Um, the event Rockstar is free, but you do ask that people at least donate some time to trail maintenance. How does that work? Where do you find like a calendar or that type of thing? So that's pretty organic. And so like what, what'll happen is um, as the weather warms up and it may even start popping up now, people will start posting like, Hey, I'm going out to work North mountain or I'm going out to work price mountain, or I'm going to do the southern traverse anybody want to come with me and bring saws and um so you'll see these things start start to pop up both on the event page or on the virginia endurance series page which for me is like the highest good i'm so happy about that so like i love the trails that make up this route i will say that you know like there's there's sections that are really well written and super popular like the in the carbons cove section and like you know, the narrow back section in, in, in Harrisonburg, like these are go-to rides. Um, mm-hmm. There's tons of traffic, but what makes this event different is all the backcountry stuff that links it all together and puts, connects all these towns. Those trails are amazing to ride, but they don't see as much love as they really require to keep them running amazing. So mm-hmm. it's work, it takes work each year. Um, so when we came up with this, like I have no jurisdiction to ask anybody or re- require anybody to do trail work or make a donation or anything like that. Um, but we just say, hey, if you want to do it, that's cool. Um, that would be good. And and if you're looking for um, a place to do trail work, you can just put a message out there. Hey, anybody know what, to, what needs some work? And um, I have a free next Saturday. Anybody want to join me? And that you'll almost certainly get people joining you. Um, And then um, there are like groups, for example, the Downshift men's team is sponsored by the Virginia Endurance Series. And that just happened because a bunch of trail work needed to get done. They had 30 guys. So some people donated to the Virginia Endurance Series and they just gave the money to the Downshift men's team. So, get a spot on their jersey and then that whole team comes out and does trail work very, um, very. so yeah 
And that's, I'll tell you like that, that one of the missions of Rockstar, of course, for everybody to have an amazing time, but is to like breathe life into this whole trail corridor and keep it, keep the connectivity going. Um, so like there's the Arizona trail race and the Colorado trail race, like Rockstar will eventually rise to the, to those ranks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the east and, it, and it's so cool because it's centrally centrally located on the east coast so like we have people from new york coming to this race and pennsylvania and maine and we've also got people from florida coming it's so uh, it's pretty reasonable for everybody to get to and um anyhow it's getting pretty big it's on bikepacking.com now right yeah then and we just had the last the fall one had that little feature where yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, we we actually owe them some material. We we are poised to be one of their featured bikepacking routes. Okay. Um, but we have to get like some story content and a bunch of pictures. Um, that's one of the things I'm not awesome at is, <laughs> yeah. is, is that. And so like I, I luckily have some really good friends that are better at just keeping the getting pictures, creating stories. Um, getting it to those folks like Laura Pam wrote that nice feature that was talked about them and their tandem experience this mm -hmm. fall yep, yep. on bikepacking. So that was just amazing. So, well, whatever pictures I take, I'm definitely going to take the GoPro. I've got a YouTube channel also, and I try to make videos of my rides and I like seeing people's videos and pictures. So yeah. I'm definitely going to take that on the route and, and I'll share whatever I have with you and you can, you know, send it out if you want to. That's awesome. And I will say that there is, I think it's going to be, it may be even ready now. It's good. It's going to be ready really soon, but just Daddio was hired. Um, There's some sort of grant that was won. Um, I, I don't really know the details of it, but my buddy, Steve Ambrose, who is the owner of Downshift Bikes and Brews, he really loves the Rockstar route. He's going to help with um, shuttling riders and, and helping with the stage race and offering like, um, guided tours on the route okay so he helped organize a um like a promotional film for the rockstar route that just daddio is producing oh sweet so sweet. it's gonna be i don't know like a one or two minute thing but i'm sure it's gonna be amazingly well produced she's she's fantastic um and i helped them with getting some content together for that too but we'll see that soon and that'll really help that's awesome that's awesome yeah. Well, um, if the people want to reach out to you and get information about one of your rides or whatnot, where can they find you? I mean, the best place, if you're thinking about a Virginia Endurance Series event is to connect with us on Facebook. You can message the Virginia Endurance Series. Um, you can also message any specific event, just put something in a discussion. And um, I call it the Virginia, the VES middle management team. Um, that's myself and like all the guys, anybody who's willing to answer questions and help with route creation and whatever logistics there are. So somebody from the VES middle management team will certainly get back to you and answer your question. Um, I'm on Instagram, Captain Insano, um, and then uh, also on Facebook too. Captain Insano, real quick, where'd that come from? <laughs> I, that's a long time nickname. I don't know. I just have, I've been cooking up these long, like ridiculous rides and getting people lost. That's good, man. You, you and the names once again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Rob, thanks very much for, uh, for joining us today. I appreciate it. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely.
Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Please consider following me in my adventures on Facebook at Brandon's Bikes, on Instagram at Brandon's Bikes, and on my YouTube channel, Brandon's Bikes. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at brandon at brandonsbikes.com. Until next time, train smarter, not harder, and enjoy the adventure.